can't sell it anywhere else, man. It's right here in West Virginia. This is the Community Podcast with Zach Beard and Aaron Marco, two Morgantown real estate agents highlighting the good people of our city and state. We're taking you behind the sign, connecting interesting people, places, and faces, why they do what they do, and how they came to be doing it. We're building a better community. So Aaron, we're we're hitting spring now. Typically, the uh, the heart and soul of real estate time. Yeah, it's coming up, man. Uh, busy season is upon us, I think, and everybody's kind of geared up for it. You know, I'd read an article uh, not long ago that they were kind of anticipating this year to not be quite as frenetic as the previous year. They have since changed that prediction, and they're uh, predicting a a a quicker paced market. If you can even imagine that, uh, I was going to say or. or we never left it. Maybe we're get, we say we're getting into it, but we've kind of never left it over the last two years. No, I don't feel like. I mean, I've I've had stuff constantly happening, and and I'm not half as busy as you are. Well, what's it's interesting though. You know, you uh, you can have some clients that maybe been working with for a year or two, even especially now, uh, out of staters, especially. You know, it's all about uh, planting that seed. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. It it takes a a bit of time to get that through there, especially in today's market. Without a doubt. You know, there's just everything going on. It's the whole idea of, of moving things to uh, non-in-person meetings. I just I did a FaceTime showing yesterday. I'm doing one this evening um, for, for buyers out of Texas. But you're 100% right about playing that seat. It's really about nurturing those relationships, especially with out-of-state buyers, because it's going to take a considerable amount of time to do those kind of things. It is, without a doubt. Yeah, hand-in-hand hand with those seed planting there. we got the Botanic Gardens today with our guest, uh, Philip Smith. Hey, Philip, how you hey, doing today? Doing good. How are you guys? Yeah, Very I, good. It's really great to be here, as a matter of fact. I really like this location. Thanks. Yeah, yeah so we're here today I at the uh, West Virginia Botanical Gardens at Tibbs Run. Yeah. Am I saying that correctly? No. <laughs> it's the West Virginia Botanic Garden. Botanic Garden. Uh, a lot of people do make that mistake. It's Botanic Garden without the AL. Different gardens around the country. Some of them are botanical garden. Some of them are botanical gardens. Is there a difference? No, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> I was like, I'm learning Either way something is already. correct, and yeah, so it's it's a common thing. Yeah. I got you. It's West Virginia Botanic Gardens where we're sitting at right here, overlooking the uh, beautiful Tibbs Run Reservoir, um, or what was at one point, and now is refilled. Yeah. Take us a little bit through the history of this location here. I know it from a very long time ago. It's just kind of being a place that we rode dirt bikes, and uh, I'm from the area, and so mm-hmm. I used this a lot as a trail to cut through on my way to Masontown to go swimming up at Blue Hole. Mm-hmm. Um, local folks will certainly know uh, a lot about that location. Yeah. But, uh, but tell us a little bit about, you know, the history of this place and wh- how you guys came to be here. Sure. So the site itself um, is owned by the city of Morgantown. It was the site of the former Tibbs Run Reservoir, as you said. Um, so one of the, the, the long stories of this space here is that um, is, is really the story of water and clean water. You know, in the early days in Morgantown, um, they lacked a lot of uh, potable water for, you know, the community there. Sure. And so they needed a water source, a public water source, and so they looked at Tibbs Run for that purpose. And so the original, um, the original planners came in to this area right, right here on this property, and they actually piped water through gravity-fed wooden pipes. I kid you not. These were wooden yeah. pipes all the way seven miles into Morgantown, 
And that's how they got the original public water supply. Wow. What and, time period was that that they were using wooden wooden pipes? That was the late 1800s. Uh-huh. Um, and then the early 1900s. And then they built this uh, the reservoir here. And, um, yeah, so then they refilled that. There's two. There's a confluence here on our property of two different streams, Jones Run and Tibbs Run. And um, that's what formed the water that was in the reservoir, very clean water, um, a really protected watershed. There's not a lot of, there's no development or anything upstream from mm-hmm. here. Or cattle farms or anything. Yeah, nothing. It's just a wooded area. goes up to Snake Hill. Oh. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so, yeah, th- this uh, was the city's water supply for a long time. But then they decommissioned this as a water supply source. And then in 1980, they drained the lake. And this was just basically a piece of city property that was really not being managed for any sort of public purposes. Um, but a long time before that, in the 1980s, um, a few individuals from Morgantown got together and with a vision of having a, the state's first botanic garden. There was There is no botanic garden in West Virginia at this time. So um, these were landscape you know, architects and um, community leaders that sort of had this vision. And in 2000, they took over uh, the city, uh, signed a long-term lease for the Botanic Garden to take over management of the site. And I was off to the races, but they didn't really have any funding streams or anything dedicated. It was just volunteers of the vision. And I think, so the story of the site has been both a story of water and a story of volunteers. Um, and just community advocates that just wanted to do something special that's a little different than a park, a little different than a nature preserve. Um, it's, it serves a kind of a different mission. And so it just it took a little while for the really the things to grab. And in the early years, people um, from Morgantown that may have visited here in the 2000s, you know, one of the first times I came here, I walked around in the early 2000s and was like, what? What this isn't a really a botanic garden. There's nothing here. Sure, but you know they just put in some trails and stuff and just started where they could. Mm-hmm. You know, so how'd they go about planting the actual space for the different plants? Um, it, it's really been organic over time. You know, it's it's kind of adjusted. Um, in 2016, they did um, the version of the master plan that we're working on now, um, and so we do have a master plan element there. You know, and even outside of that, they sort of planted some garden spaces and and where they could and and put in plants. And over time, it's built up. And now people are now recognizing this as a botanic garden versus just a park. Um, Sure. Well, it seems like you're getting a lot of traffic out here. I drive by frequently out here, and there's always movement going on. There's always people here. In fact, when the weather is nicer, I come out here several times a week to run in the morning. It's just a beautiful location, a beautiful site open to the public. How has the traffic been out here? It's it's really amazing how people have responded to the space. And then on a pretty day, especially on a weekend, it is very busy. Um, and so, you know, sometimes people even have trouble finding a parking space. Um, fortunately, we're adding new parking all the time. Last year, we added about 16 more spaces at the top of the hill. Um, and we're adding another 45 spaces to a, to a lot at the bottom of the hill now because um, there is a hill involved. But for the most part, this is pretty level ground, you know. And yeah, once so you get down Once in you get here. down Absolutely. in here, yeah. So what, what kind of, like, plant diversity can you find here? I know that for a little bit of reading that I've done over the years, you know, botanical gardens can oftentimes host um, s- different species of plants that may even be on, like, an, a, an endangered list that you maybe won't find other places in the state. Yeah, so that's um, that kind of segues into what what I kind of consider, for me, a botanic garden is really a museum of plants. Um, but we try to sort of showcase botany in, in ways that the public 
can enjoy. And some of that's through pleasure gardens. Um, and, you know, you, some gardens you may go to, especially at estates or things like that, maybe the Vanderbilts had this amazing estate and they created a botanic garden yeah. out of their pleasure plantings. We have that here, but it's not a super formal element of what we do. We plant thousands of new plants every year. We're always adding new plants. Wow. Um, are but they always local to the area here? Are they not necessarily. Some of them are cultivars and things for, you know, like, you know, I hear in one of our most visited spaces, the Diego Garden. Um, we have several core garden areas. The Diego Garden is the, our perennial border garden. We have a lot of plants there. You know, for example, like hydrangeas. You know, people love hydrangeas in their flower gardens mm-hmm. and homes. Those are not necessarily native to here. So um, we do want to showcase native plants, though. And so in some areas, we try to, to do that as well and try to... Um, celebrate the native plants along with these cultivars you know for example we have a rhododendron garden and um, there are over 40 different varieties of azalea and rhododendron just in that one garden space and a lot of people may walk by that and they think well there's rhododendrons over in the woods too exactly right. this is different <laughs> these are different varieties and we try to interpret that for people and you have name tags and stuff out, so people can actually kind of come and give a self-guided tour and look at that. They can look things up and see these various plants and so forth. That's right. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, and this year we're adding something new um, to our schedule. Um, coming this summer, we're going to be having docent-led tours. Um, we have some amazing volunteers who are um, you know, very enthusiastic about the gardens. They've learned a lot. They've gone through a lot of training to become a docent tour leader. Um, so what when is we, docent? Yeah, I've never what heard that word. Docent, yeah, so that's a, a volunteer, uh, it's like a volunteer tour guide. And you'll see that at a lot of zoos and botanic gardens around the United States. Um, it's D-O-C-E-N-T. So it's, um, it's a really neat way to, to sort of highlight um, a space and allow volunteers to, to really engage visitors and take them on tours and show them what's happening, not only like a little bit about the site's history and what's really cool about the botanic garden but also like what's blooming right now and what what things do you need to see right now and i think that a lot of our visitors will enjoy those docent tours because you might miss things absolutely is there any particular plant that's here that kind of gets most of the attention um it depends on the time of year really i mean like right now we're getting into spring and our spring bulbs are going to be coming up and we have added thousands of new bulbs this last year. We had uh, a bunch of new tulips, um, just a lot of uh, daffodils, like everything. Mm-hmm. Really, you start getting that first spring. They're coming pop. now. I mean, oh yeah, up. everything's coming. Out. Hydra, uh, the uh, sorry, the grape hyacinths will be up. We'll, we'll have a lot of unique things like that. We also the uh, hellebores are blooming right now. Um, so you're going to get a lot of those spring bulbs. They're going to get all this great color and a lot of attention. And then we'll move on into sort of this wildflower phase um, where we'll have uh, Spanish bluebells. Um, we do have some lady slippers in a few places. And for me, those are the, the flowers that get me the most excited. Mm. They're tucked away in a few, few different places. So to see the, the, the native orchids really get me excited. Yeah, right on. I like insectivorous plants. You got any oh, yeah. pitcher plants or anything here? <laughs> we don't, but it's something that's there on our radar. There are some native to West Virginia. I Absolutely. know that. You know, yeah. so down at the uh, Cranberry um, area, there are mm-hmm. some down there, you know. and uh, Yeah. So we have um, a sort of a similar type of a bog area. We have uh, one of the larger wetland complexes in the region, um, and we're kind of interested in seeing what we might be able to get going as far as um, – 
insectivorous plants. That would be really fun to have. You know. I think so too. You could have feedings. You That's right. Yeah, yeah. Feed the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So on those wetland, to- uh, the wetland topic there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you recall when that bridge was built out there? The wetland boardwalk. Yeah, the boardwalk. Um, I, if I said it over the air, I'm sure I would be wrong. But I think I ha- it was like uh, the early 20 teens. Uh, like 2013, maybe. Oh, is that late? Okay, because yeah. I I'd volunteered and it helped build okay. a big section of that thing. It might have been early. But I can't, re- yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember either. It was a fun day. It was yeah. terribly hot outside. and <laughs> <laughs> there were, If I remember right, there were mosquitoes and I everything. I guarantee there's plenty of mosquitoes. Yeah. Beautiful, Just beautiful area. Yeah, yeah. What about as far as waterfowl? You get a lot of waterfowl coming in here? Is that um, a good place to do some birding? Sometimes, especially in the mornings. You were... Um, you mentioned to me earlier about coming out here for a run. Yeah. You know, we do have a lot of runners that will come out. But I know for myself, um, I have noticed a lot more um, bird activity early in the mornings, especially before, like, crowds are here yeah. at midday. If you come out in the early mornings, you'll you'll see a lot more bird activity, including waterfowl. Now, you would mentioned there's a new pond. So we have the main lake area kind of down mm-hmm. there, and then you have a new pond area that's uh, kind of yeah. hosting amphibians and so forth. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so that was a component of our new children's adventure garden, which will open on May 7th this year. This is a brand new um, garden space that we're super excited about. You know, for a long time, we had this sort of area of some backfill and bad soil that we noticed the kids were, like, stacking rocks up and having, like, a, a big time, like, playing with rocks. And we were like, well, if kids are playing there anyways, let's improve on the space. Well, what started out as, like, well, it's a few simple improvements has uh, morphed into a whole children's garden, um, which I think is going to be super exciting for, for families in the Morgantown area. I bet. I saw in the uh, – I was looking at the the upcoming calendar of events, and I saw in April there's actually a kind of a frog tour that they're going to be talking about down there. And uh, Yeah, so, yeah, we have a lot of different tours and programs. Um, my education director, Aaron Smalldone, does a really great job with – um, developing a lot of family programming, um, young young amphibian walks, birders walks, um, different types of tours, mushroom walks. And, yeah, they'll look at um, the different types of amphibians that are going on. Right now we have wood frogs that are um, coming out and breeding, and that's that's really fun to, to see and hear. Oh, sure it is, yeah. Yeah, it's and then we also have the spring peepers. You know the spring's coming when you hear the peepers. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've been hearing for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. you know. Hey, let's take a break and check out this week's Community Moment. From their famous appetizers to signature dishes, Stefano's of Morgantown has a seasonally changing menu to ensure the best fine dining in Morgantown. Their reputation is upheld by unwavering commitment to customer service and satisfaction, an Italian tradition like no other. Follow Stefano's on Facebook to keep up with their seasonal dishes, their wine Wednesdays, cocktail specials, and other news at their restaurant. And guess what, guys? They are community podcast approved. And remember, reservations are recommended, so call ahead. So let's talk about something. There's no better way to communicate your story than through video marketing. Whether you want to remember the celebration of a milestone or to reach potential customers for your business, video and photo just can't be beat. At Sparks Productions, we bring years of experience in creative storytelling to your project or event. We learn about you and what's important to you. And really, we just want to create an unforgettable experience with our clients. So give us a call and let Sparks Productions tell your story. One of the things I was going to ask, which has been self-answered by the massive billboard behind you, was but how you're primarily funded. And I see you've got that there, and then off to the other side, you've got the new event center coming up. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. We depend so much on the community and their, um, 
there's a benevolence to the garden. So we, you know, we do an annual appeal every year and then um, in the fall. And then we also have some fundraising events that are um, really key for us. We also have um, business partnerships, which right. is uh, a really important thing. So we invite businesses to partner with us. And then um, we have, like I said, we have these fundraiser dinners um, that we do that are really fun. Um, they tickets sell out very quickly. These are w- well-crafted dinners. Usually, like, um, chefs from the area will come in, do these pop-up events. We have live music. It's a big Oh, time. and they do them on site here. Yeah, we do them on I site. I saw on the website that, you know, like I saw Tommy on there. I know Tommy quite well. Tommy Thompson. I saw uh, 10202 that, you know, but yeah. those were those were things where you purchased food there and a portion yeah. of those proceeds we went do both. to here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we have a what we call the season of good taste. And so that sort of starts out with some ticketed, like you go to, go to those places and pick up your dinner. But then we'll have, um, in June, we'll have burgers and brews, which is on site. Um, and we will have, you know, usually we have like Iron Horse or somebody like that does the burgers. Yep. Uh, Parkersburg Brewing Company comes and supplies the beer. Um, and we have live music, and it's a big time. Oh, it's a great thing yeah. to see those kind of partnerships and oh, people yeah. coming together in that way. is fantastic. I look at this, you know, b- uh, donation board, and I see that, you know, it's kind of just uh, delineated by these various tree names. And I see there, you know, mm-hmm. for a, to become an alder, it's a $1,000 year donation. Some great names on there. Mm-hmm. Won't read them because maybe that's not something I should do. But <laughs> I see you go all the way up to the oak for a $25,000 a year donation and everything yeah. in between. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah, we have such great community support. It's really amazing how people support this space. And they're not just supporting, you know, what we're doing here. They support this, this the grounds here. They sell themselves. I mean, it's really amazing. It's really a beautiful place. You're right. It only takes one time to come here and you're hooked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, I should also mention, we also have memberships that we really depend on people that, if you're going to visit the garden and make it a habit, we encourage people to become a, a supporting member you know, at a minimum, 25 bucks a year to be a member. Um, it's not that much. Oh, You're it's gonna nothing. Spend, it's zero. It's nothing. I mean, it's essentially zero. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, support the garden, um, buy a membership. And the cool thing about being a West Virginia Botanic Garden member, even though we're free to, we don't have admission fees yet, um, you can use that admission, that membership card and get into over 300 gardens, public gardens around the United States at free or reduced admission. Wow. So when you're oh, on I vacation, you can take your West Virginia Botanic Garden membership card and go for free to a botanic garden wherever you're at at the beach or in the mountains somewhere. Yeah, so no, it's that, a really nice a, perk. It's a bonus, man. It definitely yeah. is. Yeah, that's, a, that's a value add. Yeah. yeah. So I was reading a while back, too. There's a thing called a, a Darwin Technical Manual for Botanic Gardens. Is that something that's still used today or is it kind of gone away oh no i'm not aware of that one okay yeah <laughs> i it was i was on the botanic website for like the international yeah so thing. we we are a member of the american public gardens association um so that's our professional association also the american horticultural society and that's who the reciprocal admissions that we do that's who that comes through okay Zach, i don't know about you but uh Phillips used a lot of words today that, that while I've heard them before, I don't really know them and they're not part of my everyday vernacular. Okay. So clearly you have a background in this. Um, what is your expertise? What's your background that you bring to the table here? Oh, thank, thanks for asking. I'm, I, I guess I'm really lucky. That's the first thing I would answer that. Well, I'm lucky counts, to man. work in such an amazing uh, organization. Um, my background is in biology, so sorry if I get a little too esoteric about it. No, that's great. Yeah, I love so, it. Um, and I'm also currently, uh, i got to brag that I'm, um, in my old age, I'm uh, in the Master's of Public Administration program at WVU. 
So, um, yeah, I've got a little bit of a varied background. For sure. Yeah. Easy with the old age thing. I guarantee I'm older than you. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so expand on that a little bit about what you bring to this. Yeah, well, um, I see myself as more of an organizational leader. Um, we have, I, I, I don't want to talk a whole lot about myself, but I want to talk about my team. Mm-hmm. You know, we have um, a great staff here. We just had a staff meeting today, and it's just, I'm blown away with the talent that this place attracts. Um, we have landscape architecture professionals. We have, um, my gardener has a PhD in entomology. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy the amount of uh, talent that we've been able to draw in here. And we work so well as a team. But more than that, we have amazing unpaid staff. And I, what I, they're our volunteers. Mm-hmm. You know, we have such great talent in this community that loves the mission and where we're going with the mission here. So my job as um, the executive director is to be a symphony conductor and make sure that all these, the strings are playing with the woodwinds and that everybody's orchestrated and doing the the things that we're all trying to do um, to move the mission forward. Awesome. Well, it seems to be working quite well. It's a beautiful location. Thanks. I mean, we're sitting in, what, what do you call the building we're actually sitting in? So this building used to be called the um, Education and Events Center, and we're renaming that to the Education Center because we're currently building an event center. Yeah, that's and really what I wanted to get to because I've been yeah. involved in a couple of events that have taken place here. I know you at one point you you were renting this location. You yeah. could do uh, various events down here, wedding showers. Uh, right. You smaller know, events. Actually, yeah, smaller events. I was actually here at a uh, wedding reception, mm-hmm. um, so I, I know you did that here. But I guess the, the big fish to fry here is the brand-new events that I'm looking yeah. at uh, a beautiful drawing over there from Paradigm Architecture over yeah. there, and I've been watching it kind of take place uh, throughout the year as they're building it. So tell us a little bit about what it is, what it's going to provide for the community, and then maybe about when it's going to be available. That's awesome. It's it's We're so excited. This is a really big foundational year for us um not only i mentioned the children's garden opening this year but we have this event center that's going to open this year this is the hazel ruby mcquain charitable trust provided us with an amazing gift um i I don't know if i should say the amount but it's it's a significant amount i'm sure i I see him up there under the uh oak yeah uh, yeah oh it's way more than twenty five thousand. i can promise you um, so we're able to build with this gift a new event center. This is going to be 6,300 square foot event center um, that's going to overlook. It's, it's an amazing structure because it's, um, it's very contemporary and it's very fitting for a botanic garden. But it also invites the outdoors in through these massive windows that are going to be overlooking the, the beautiful uh, basin. And... Yeah, it'll have uh, changing suites in there for um, for weddings, um, two changing suites, and then um, an office space, a kitchen, um, a flex space for a dance floor, uh, a big banquet area for conferences, dinners, weddings, um, all those things. It'll be what we think is going to be one of the premier wedding destinations for um, not only Morgantown, but maybe even West Virginia or the region. Oh, I bet you're right. I yeah. bet you're hundred percent right. I spent some time in that industry, you know, providing that we had a banquet and uh, catering facility here in Morgantown. We did week, uh, every weekend we were doing weddings and, you know, there's not a lot to choose from in that space for people. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly a need for it. And that is a beautiful, beautiful looking building over there. Yeah. it It's going to be so great because, you know, it's, it's, not just um, at a hotel or something that's totally isolated. It's a 
the state's only botanic garden. So I feel like that that alone sort of lends itself to like a very unique space. And associated with that building, we're also building a new garden space that we're calling it the Celebration Garden. The Celebration Garden will be the outdoor wedding space that's associated with this, and we'll have a 100-foot-long uh, pedestrian bridge that's um, ADA accessible that connects these two spaces. So it's really sort of a package there um, with the events facility as well as the Celebration Garden. Yeah, that's going to be incredible. When yeah. did you say that was going to be open? So we're uh, scheduled to open sometime this summer, um, hopefully no major extra delays than what we've already had. Um, but yeah, it's scheduled to open this summer and we've definitely also had some budget problems with, you know, cost of materials, Mm -hmm. you guys in the real estate industry, you know, what's going on. Um, so we've had some issues there. We're trying to close these budget gaps and we would encourage uh, people if they would like to support us to check out our website. We have some opportunities there that people could try to, to support the building, um, and get like a, a paver or acknowledgement inside the building that's uh, that sort of acknowledges that sort of benevolence of uh, helping us out. Yeah, that's great. We'll make sure to include all that information, you know, uh, with the, with this podcast. Yeah, for sure. You know, Aaron, one of those, you know, when we do those tours for the hospitals or out-of-towners, you know, one of the highlight places is always Cooper's Rock. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to start adding this to my list too because, you know, I like you, I've been here many, many times, but I never think to bring out-of-towners here as well. Uh, yeah, you're right, Zach. You're you're absolutely right. It can be easily overlooked because it's just kind of hidden right off the side of Tyrone Road. It's Tyrone Road isn't a. It's certainly a drive to destination and not so much a drive by destination. Right. You know, and so right. it's easily forgotten about. So yeah, part of the reason for doing this was to make it more top of mind for everybody that listens. You know. So on that note, too, you know, how, do you have a way to track? out-of-state people coming here? How how is it like for tourism? Yeah, so it's mostly anecdotal at this point. You know, we run into people all the time, especially whenever students are coming or going. Their parents will come here. Yeah. Um, We get a lot of that. Um, But, you know, it's not uncommon that I visit people on the trails and they'll tell me where they're from. And and we have a lot of -of out-of-state visitors. Anecdotally, We since we don't charge admission, um, we don't have a ticketed system, Mm -hmm. it's uh, challenging for us to sort of determine those numbers other than looking at cars in a parking lot. Yes. Yeah, some license plates. plates. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we do, uh, we did install a new infrared counting system this year. I just let people know that if they see these little boxes, those are not cameras. They're just like an infrared counter that just tracks the number of people to walk past so that we can start getting, collecting more data about visitation. That's smart. Are bikes allowed here? No, we don't allow bikes. Um, overnight camping that once the facility closes at dark, but no bikes. Okay. I mean, that seems smart. Yeah. As fun as it is, they do tend to tear things up a little bit well, more. Well, it's more of a pedestrian visitor experience. We're just trying to remove Slow that paced. friction. We yeah, have a lot of people slow. here on the trails, and so for yeah. safety and all that, too. Smart. Yeah. And I am a mountain biker, so I do enjoy Oh, I am, too. But like bike, I said, that does tend this, to tear things up, just the whole this idea is of it. not the right place for that. Yeah. And there's not really trails for that, so to yeah. speak, so much, uh, really. There are some nice, you know, more secluded areas out mm-hmm. here. You know, there's the main trail that goes all the way around the lake down here. And then there are some more, you know, remote, I guess, uh, yeah. trails that go up through the woods and so forth. Yeah, how much property that. do you actually have here? Yeah, I should mention how this is sort of broken up. There's 85 acres um, on the site. Well, 83. We have a couple other acres that we – it's a top there. But um, – 83 acres, and we, we have the reservoir basin, which we've talked a lot about, this wetland complex, um, the main reservoir loop trail that goes around that. But over what we call, so internally we call the back 40, but it's the Tibbs Run Preserve area. We have 
uh, trail network over there, and that goes through um, old growth hemlock forest, hemlock and beech. Um, we have trees over there that are over 200 years old. Um, these were hemlock trees that were saplings whenever Lewis and Clark went on their expedition. And it's really a rare thing to have these virgin hemlock trees. Um, you go over to Cathedral State Park in Preston County, but we have them here also at the West Virginia Botanic Garden. And we don't do any sort of um, man-made sort of development on that preserve area. It's mostly just a trail network. So I um, encourage people to get over in the woods there and sort of experience that sort of ecosystem, then come over to the wetland complexes and see all that. And then you come over over here on this um, south facing hillside that you get more of a mixed hardwood. So we have really three different ecosystems going on here at the garden. Yeah, it's terrific. And there's some, you know, being a mushroom hunter, and Zek is too, you know, there's some really great uh, mushrooms that grow here. I've seen a lot of really neat stuff growing around here. There's a lot to yeah. learn out on these uh, grounds. Absolutely. So, ma- so many cool plants to see. Like you said, the mushrooms, you know, last summer, mushrooms were fantastic. Um, and we have a lot of photographers that, that like to come here and photograph all these really cool uh, plants. On that south side, is it uncommon for people to do morel hunting? Is that encouraged, discouraged? Um, so we actually, as a botanic garden, um, we have a rule that you can't pick any live plants. Um, however, because mushrooms are so, you know, regenerative, it's the, yeah. the mycelium underground is the important part. Our mm-hmm. fruiting bodies on top, they're going to keep making more. I don't get too excited about it, but um, I will say that this site is not that good for morels. Yeah, I haven't found any morels here myself. I haven't seen one either. I've I've looked, and yeah. I haven't seen one either. But we do have some chanterelles and yep. um, other types of edible mushrooms, but um, the morels just don't seem to, to, to work here. They're hard to find, man. Even all my older spots years ago, I just, uh, I've just i lost track of them. They just aren't producing and or whatever the case is. Just uh, It's been a hard few years for me finding morels. Chanterelles, find them all over the place. Yeah. But, uh, but I've seen some... Uh, my talkies growing down in here too. Mm-hmm. Um, hen of the woods or not? Yeah, hen yeah, of yeah. the woods. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so. we had a big hen of the woods that was over here near the hammock haven, um, which people love the hammock haven. Yeah, that's um, a pretty neat little yeah, space. Yeah, so we had a giant one there for that was like six, eight weeks, and I kept looking at it thinking, I can't believe nobody's tried to pick this thing. Yet. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're at that time for the community moment. Let's check out our sponsor. Fairmont, make some noise out there. You guys ready? Palantine Park is ready. They're ready to rock and roll all summer long. The best bands that are up and coming, local musicians, a diverse choice of talents. Palantine Park gives a perfect family-friendly atmosphere. All events are free to the public, so check out the event schedule to see what's coming up. See everyone this summer. So you've got uh, 21 board members, is that right? Is that still... Uh, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our we have a, a, a robust board there. Yeah. Now, are those board is that, are they all donors or volunteers of some type? How does that work? Both. Both. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, it's not a requirement, but you know they all you know are invested in the space and through some means they they all donate a little bit, um, some more than others, and that's great. Um, but they they're very multi talented and they help us in a lot of variety of ways. You know whether it's organizing events or. Um, helping with policy decisions or everything. So we've we've been really lucky to have some really incredible board members. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, as an outsider, you just go for a walk somewhere, you don't realize 
everything that's sitting behind the scenes making this place possible. You're right. I mean, most people don't see all these meetings that we sit through and all the planning. You know, it's just like this children's garden. It didn't just happen, yeah. you know. Um, these things take months, if not years of planning, a lot of work. And, I, you know, I would be remiss to not also thank um, our grants committee that helps to find grants because we don't have a dedicated public funding stream. You know, um, we rely so much on, you know, memberships and all these things to help with our payroll and insurance and all the expenses of maintenance to be able to do the things that we want to do and our education camps, all these things. Um, that we, The only way we're able to build all these things that we're building is through grants. And so we have an amazing group of volunteers that come out and help with seeking grants and, and writing for those things. And we're very lucky. Yeah, people that are wanting to get involved with um, volunteering out here, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you and uh, lend a hand? Best way is to go through our website because we have a form on there that allows you to sort of um, tell us about you and what you are talented in, what you're interested in, what sort of areas you'd like to plug into at the garden. And then our volunteer coordinator will uh, be in contact with you and to uh, schedule an orientation day where you can come out and like learn a lot more about opportunities here and plug yourself in where you want to be plugged into. I would have to imagine there's pretty good synergy between you and WVU and the students that are taking courses that, you mm-hmm. know, uh, horticulture and various things or biology classes. Is yeah. there a good connection here and do they spend much yeah, time Yeah, it's out very here? informal. We don't have like an MOU or anything like that, but we work with a lot of different professors and different programs. They come out and they do a lot of classes here, you know, with, um, you know, uh, research projects even. Um, so yeah, we're, we're involved, you know, a lot with WVU. And then we also get a lot of volunteers, a lot of student volunteers um, that need volunteer hours and, and civic engagement. Um, they come out and do a lot of uh, things for us that are really fun. There's a place to do it, just cleaning trails, building boardwalks, maintenance, all those things. Everything, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah, there's so much to do here. Is there a B area here? No, we don't have an apiary. Um, it's something we've talked about. Creating. You said that with almost just a bit yeah. of disappointment in your voice. <laughs> yeah, a little disappointed. Yeah. I love bees. I actually I don't love bees. I hate getting stung. Yeah, right. But everybody, I love everybody honey bees. Yeah. Stung. Um, I, I love uh, the the idea of having honeybees, and they're you know r- would be really healthy to have here. Um, you know, we know of other botanic gardens that do have bees, but um, we don't have any here. Other than we have a pollinator garden, um, which is right across from the Yale Garden. We plant a whole. Um, pollinator mix in there every spring and so by midsummer we have all these great pollinator plants and we'll have dozens of species of bees in there well you know you bring up an interesting thing because a lot of people you know i I think bees have become very kind of top of mind for a lot of people especially if you're anywhere connected to the earth at all we understand that the the bees play in a very very important role in, in our day-to-day lives whether you know it or not they're playing that role absolutely so what 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 type of mix if people wanted to help encourage bees in their own uh in their own yard mm-hmm. or so to speak or on property they have what are some of those plants that you use in that pollinator mix that other people could also plant to help it's a good yeah, question so i would that. encourage people to look for those mixes the the you know you can buy these ready-made mixes that are they have all these really beautiful flowers so it it's not just like you're looking at it weeds. You're looking at pretty flowers. So if you come and see our pollinator garden this summer, you'll see what I'm talking about. And it changes 
with almost every every couple of weeks, you'll see a new palette of color um, because different things are done blooming and new things start to bloom. And so if you buy these mixes that have a, a great variety in there um, of, of bee-friendly and butterfly-friendly uh, plants, um, and is it time to be planting that now? Is that not now necessarily kind of, okay. yet? You'll you'll see. Like we'll we'll till this area up, um, and then with that we use like a mantis tiller. They're relatively cheap, mm-hmm. you know. And we get it all worked up, and then we just uh, sow the ground. It all comes up. You'll see it this summer. Which we also have a cast them. Yeah, and we have a um, we do have an interpretive sign there now that tells uh, about beneficial beauty for your own backyard. And if you want more information. Definitely stop and read that sign, and it'll give you some tips about uh, planting a, a pollinator garden in your own backyard. Great. Maybe you can sell some of that mix. You can just kind of right. give, yeah. give it out when you go yeah. down there. And Yeah, I should mention, as far as selling things, at some point, um, we we do have plans just for people that are interested. Uh, we do own a house that's up here at the top of the hill, um, right beside of our new parking area, and we have plans um, in the next two years to renovate that into a visitor center. So we'll have the event center that's going to be open this summer, this education center, which uh, will be used primarily for our programs as well as our summer camps. Um, But we'll also have a visitor center, which will have a gift shop and additional administrative offices and some things like that. Hopefully one day we'll have a cafe in there as well. So we're really excited about all these sort of big infrastructure components. Well, you guys seem to have great vision and you're really just making it happen. I love to see it. It's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Couldn't agree more. I got just only one last thing. I don't know what Aaron's got left, but I'm just curious about fruit trees. Is is that something you have here? We don't, actually. We don't really have any fruit trees on site. Um, we've even native ones like pawpaws or something of that nature. Well, actually, that's I take that back because we did plant a bunch of pawpaw trees. Oh, really? Um, yeah, This we don't have any uh, where we didn't have any. But um, last, uh, I think it was in 2020, we planted about – uh, around 20 or 30 pawpaw trees. Um, we have some of, we bought that were a little um, older too. So we're going to see how those go. Um, I have sort of a dream in my head of creating an Appalachian garden space where we can interpret plants that were really important to indigenous people to, to this area, as well as the early pioneers um, that were medicinal or food plants. Um, so I'm, um, working towards that in the space so one of the sort of foundational plants i wanted to get started there was pawpaw so once that came up then we can start looking at what are the other plants we want to augment in there to sort of tell that appalachian story yeah that's great there's there's several plants that i think a lot of people around here would recognize in that way pawpaws being one of one that has really kind of recently become in vogue to a lot of kind of foodie people the mm-hmm. pawpaw is kind of Filled into that space. For sure. Uh, ginseng, another one quite, uh, you know, synonymous with the hills of West Virginia, certainly. Um, and, you know, a lot of old-time sang hunters. I knew yeah. a guy, I used to I used to run a lot of these hills with a great friend of mine. And he knew the understory, like the back of his hand. Um, he was, he, you know, he harvested black cohosh. He sold it to mm-hmm. co-op. He harvested golden seal. And mm-hmm. obviously ginseng and many of these, you know, uh, you know uh, what a medicinal plant. Oh, yeah. it's, it's absolutely incredible. You know, a lot of people know their trees. You know, you can go out and you say, okay, that's an oak tree or that's a maple tree, but it's very few people that you run into that can identify the understory mm-hmm. in, in the shrubs and the bushes and the plants. And yeah. uh, this guy, Joseph Gatsky, just an incredible guy, um, knew, knew all of them, knew, knew the Latin names, knew the medicinal uses. In mm-hmm. fact, funded most of his life like that, you know, kind of lived close to the bone and funded a lot of his life. Those are things, really special people. They and really if you ever are. get the opportunity to be around those types of people and go in the woods and just take notes. 
yeah. and just listen. Wild people that do wild foraging are, are, are really, they have a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. Yep. Oh, they really do. Yeah, one of my best friends certainly learned a lot from him, no doubt about that. But this is a great location. It's a great place to be in. Just what a great peaceful space to come and enjoy a little bit of time. Quick walk with your kids. Um, get get off the screen a little bit. Get off that little shiny rectangle that you hold in your hands yeah. and get out here and enjoy a little bit of this and, uh, and, and, and take a deep breath. Yeah, and I would encourage people to like us on social media as well as um, check out our website and look at the different programs and events that we have coming up. Um, because, you know, you want, we want to encourage people to just come out and visit, like you said, but also to engage in some of the programming that we do. Um, so that That's really um, where you can get this good lens into how to, like, interact with this space, too. Because, you know, one of our programs I really like is our forest therapy walk. It teaches you how to walk in the forest. Who knew we needed to be taught how to walk in the forest? But <laughs> We've come a long way. Yeah, that's sometimes right. you walk through the woods with a friend, and you're walking through, and you're talking about a real estate transaction, and you didn't listen to the forest. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're this, right. These classes teach you how to like be present in your space, and it's really, really interesting to go through those things. Well, I think we could all use a little bit of that these days, no doubt. I'm going to be watching out for this uh, new event center you got coming up, and, uh, and I will certainly be here. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to join as a member. I've yeah. used it enough for free. I need to join up for yeah. 25 bucks a year. I mean, that's, like yeah. I said, $0 a year. Right. Whether you ever come here or not, it's worth the 25 bucks just to make sure this place is continuing to do the amazing things you guys are doing Thank out you. here. So We feel like it's a great community asset. Zach, that's what I got for today. I really enjoyed talking to you today, Philip, and kind of bringing all this stuff to the uh, forefront. Zach, you got anything else? No, oh, I love it. Uh, I'm going to slip in one of those uh, those catchphrase words of the day. You know, those they're creating core memories. You know, come down here and create some of those memories. Like you said, get off your phone, stop living other people's lives, live your own, and come down here and enjoy it. Thank you, guys. Hey, man. See you.